Well, good morning to you. Good morning to those of you here with us physically and good morning to those of you watching online or whenever it is during the week. We're in a series here at Hope Valley called Secrets from the Mountain. Today's isn't so much a secret as it is a key. Well, you might think it's a secret because uh, it's something that we know but don't always live in. And it's a key to life. It's a key to freedom. It's a key to joy. It's a key to blessing others. Today, I want to share with you about living in Father God's delight. Living in Father God's delight. And, and the, the first point I want to share with you is a very, very simple point, And that is, know how much Father God delights in you. It's not a word we use that often, delight. But you don't need to be too adventurous in your mind to understand that it's a word of levity. It's a word of freedom. It's, it's a word of, of lightness. If someone delights in you, they, they love being around you. They're refreshed by you. And here's the thing about knowing how much Father God delights in you. God's delight for you and over you is not circumstantial. You know, if you're broke, if you're on Centrelink, if you're living in a million dollar mansion that's fully paid off, if you're living in a bedroom in your parents' place, if you're in a three-bedroom flat with some fellow students, God doesn't delight in you more in one circumstance than another. He doesn't look at your bank account to decide whether he delights in you. And the same thing, true, also true, that God doesn't look at your track record. He doesn't look at your sin quotient and say, oh, really bad day, sorry, only minimal delight for you. Ah, good effort over here, a bucket load of delight for you. God doesn't work that way. Have a listen to this verse from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 in the ESV. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. It doesn't say the Lord your God is well pleased with you, he's in your midst. You read Zephaniah chapter 1 and chapter 2 and it's quite frankly, it's depressing. It's all the judgments God's going to bring upon uh, his people because they, they haven't lived out of the delight that he's shown them. And then halfway through chapter three, God says, you know what? Your track record's really bad, but I'm still going to bring my refreshment to the nations. I'm still going to be in your midst. And so the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, he will exult over you with loud singing. Now, the New Living Translation and a couple of other translations bring in the word delight. And they say, if we could have that one up there, thanks. The Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And, and the, uh, the, the original language there is the image of a plough that really digs deep into the ground. So, so God goes deep into your heart. He, he does an inside job bringing his peace deep inside. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Now, I'm, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I, I looked it up using some Bible tools and discovered that the word rejoice has two different Hebrew words to describe the same thing. And it's, it's about bringing rejoicing, it's about delighting, it's about having mirth or joviality, laughter, and, and there's even a sense that God chuckles or he chortles. Not he's laughing at you, but when he sees you, he just goes, <laughs> there's my girl, <laughs> there's my boy. I remember 
I remember my dad, I was telling my dad this yesterday, he's gone into uh, palliative care. We don't know how much time we'll have left with him. And he was drifting in and out of consciousness. And I said to him, Dad, just talking to him so he could have a voice with him while he's dying. And I said, Dad, I remember when, when I was a little boy at Fokatani in New Zealand and I'd done something really, really bad and you found out and I ran away from you. You came out and there was this Mexican standoff around the grapefruit tree. You were on that side, I was on this side and you went that way and I went that way and then you went this way and I went that way and, and, and it, it went on like that for a couple of minutes and, and you know, you'd been really mad over me at what I'd done and, and, and when you caught me, you just put your arm around me and just burst out laughing because the, 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 the situation around the grapefruit tree trumped whatever it was you were angry at me over and, and you know, that's the Father, that's the Heavenly Father. Many of us are living in fear thinking, what's he going to do when he catches me? But see, God doesn't catch you out because everything that he would catch you out for has already been placed on Jesus. And Jesus has gone, Father, I'll take it. I'll take, I'll take their sin. I'll take their rebellion. I'll take their anger. I'll take their unbelief. I'll take their doubts. I'll take their insecurities and their uncertainties. I'll, I'll die for that. And so the Father only has delight towards you. Because anything that you and I presume stops God from being delighted with us has already been dealt with. And so the second thing I want to share is that delight is all about acceptance. You see, it's one thing to know that Father God delights in you, but we experience Father God's delight as we experience his acceptance and his welcome. And this was Jesus' reality when he was baptised. It says in Luke chapter 3, the, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, my beloved. In you I am well pleased and delighted. And the Bible says that you and I are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That means what Jesus gets, you and I get. So Jesus gets called beloved, you get called beloved. Jesus gets caught up in the delight of the Father. So too, you are a recipient of Father's delight. The Father says over Jesus, I'm well pleased with you. And through Jesus, the Father can now say, I am well pleased with you. And then out of this pleasure that the Father has in him, Jesus enacts a ministry of sheer delight. He causes the blind to see and as their eyes are open, there's a delight on their face. He ministers to a woman who just reaches out and touches his garment after she's been crooked for 12 years, drained not only of iron and blood, but of the delight of other people in her community, socially isolated. And Jesus restores her and there's now a delight in her life again. He goes to Zacchaeus, the tax collector in town that everyone hates. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'd be delighted to come to your house today. And, and Zacchaeus is now a, a delightful man to be around instead of a fraud and a cheat. Jesus carries out the Father's dealings through welcome and acceptance, through inclusion and through contact that brings the Father's delight. That frees us. And so the third thing I want to share with you this morning is the reality and the privilege of cultivating delight, cultivating delight before discipline. Or cultivating delight in such a way that it leads us into discipline. You see, here's a truth. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to declare it 
And then you're going to go, yeah, yeah, that's been my reality. Here's the truth. It's very, very difficult, almost impossible to discipline your way into delight. You start a new discipline and if your focus is the discipline, the carrying it out, must give more to God's work. Going to read a chapter of the Bible every day, going to pray unceasingly from here on. You know, that that discipline that starts off sometimes with a bit more excitement than I just enacted can eventually lead to drudgery. Duty doesn't breed delight, but conversely, delight breeds discipline. When we know the Father's love, we want to find out more about the Father's heart. When we, when we are overwhelmed with the abundance of the Father's generosity to us, or like me, when you're sitting by your dad's bedside as he's dying and you realise, you know, what is life really all about? Is it really about a mass of accumulation? Does it really matter now whether my dad had a marble bench top or a linoleum bench top in his kitchen? Did it really matter? Yet when you, when you, when you recognise the sheer delight of being loved by the Father, you recognise everything that's in your pocket can go to a kingdom cause. And, and you don't do it begrudgingly or out of discipline or because the church needs money or because someone overseas is destitute. You do it out of sheer delight because we've been blessed extravagantly. And so it's the order of things that is important. Your starting point determines your outcome. And so we don't start with the discipline, but we reflect on the delight. Father, I'm, I'm so grateful for your delight. And if you have issues with Father being delighted over you, please don't move on to any discipline before the delight of the Father has been comfortably settled within your heart. It comes with gratitude. Father, I'm so grateful that you delight in me. I don't understand it. My track record shows that I deserve anything but delight. You see, if I develop another but after that, I've lost the gospel. I've lost the essence of the good news. Because the good news is that while we were still sinners, God is delighted in us. He doesn't only begin to be delighted in you once you've stopped messing up. He doesn't only begin to be delighted in you once you've got on with the program. There is no program, but there's a life of joy, a life of going deeper, a life of working out what disciplines work with my personality, with the time I've got, and that flows from the delight that the Father has in me. So there's this Chinese pastor that I was meeting with for a while. Let, let, let's call him Song. And uh, after a couple of meetings, Song said to me, Peter, Peter, there seems to be a, a close connection that you have with, with God as your father, with Jesus, that, that I just don't have. Song was a very dedicated man. Like uh, a number of Chinese, you give Song a task and he'll do it absolutely brilliantly above and beyond. But that strength was also his pitfall. He thought if he could do better, if he could strive harder, if he could achieve more, if he could perform more wonderfully, then God would be more happy with him. And there was no delight at all in his Christian walk. And so I just said to him, it's about intimacy with God. Into me see, saying, Jesus, 
Jesus, I allow you to see into every part of me. You know everything anyway, but, but I now open my heart to allow you to see every part of me, knowing that you delight in me despite what you see. And, and he said to me, this guy's a pastor. He said, is that really true? I said, yes, it is. And then I said to him uh, a couple of sessions later, I said, here's the thing. Why don't you pull out a chair and across from you, so you have your chair here and have this other chair across from you and then whatever represents Jesus for you, knowing it's not Jesus, whether it's a Bible or a, or a, a CD that you love or, or a crucifix or, or um, you know, something that reminds you, put it on the chair and, and just talk to the chair because Jesus is sitting there. Talk to him like a friend. And he goes, oh, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. <clears throat> About six weeks later, I got a phone call from him. He says, Peter, Peter, I've discovered delight. I said, Song, what happened? He said, well, I woke up one morning and was feeling shamed as I normally do first thing when I wake up in the morning. And he said, I went down and made a cup of coffee and I went back up the stairs. And he said, I sit on the top stair uh, with my cup of coffee. But this morning I sat down with my cup of coffee and I turned to the space in the chair next to me and I said, good morning, Jesus. And he said, and you know what? And I knew, but I wanted him to tell me. I said, what? And he said, I heard Jesus say back to me, good morning, Song. And he said, and so we just started having a conversation. I said, how long did it last? And he said, well, the first time, maybe a couple of minutes. And then the next time, a few more minutes. And he says, now Jesus and I chat. And he said, and even when I'm not talking to him, I know he's there with me. Ah, you see, Song now had a discipline that was formed in delight. That can be you. That can be you. And then fourthly and finally, you know, something amazing happens when we live in the Father's delight, when we know that his delight is about welcome, when we are growing in intimacy with him out of delight, <laughs> we discover that living in delight is living relationally. You become delightful people. Dads, when you start with delight rather than discipline, you know, you know why Kynan can be the bedtime enforcer and yet they still love him is because the summary of Kynan's life is not bedtime enforcer. The summary of Kynan's life is delightful dad living out of heavenly father's delight. By the way, one of the things I do relationally as a dad who lives in father God's delight is help you govern your bedtime. You see, the tasks we do, the chores we carry out, the life we live is now delightfully delivered. Have a look at this verse from, uh, from 2 Thessalonians. You know, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. See, delightful people just don't share facts. Delightful people divest of themselves. And so when I was with my dad for two hours yesterday, you know, sometimes I was trying to work out his Optus account on his iPad because we've paid a bill and they didn't think, then, I, then they told me I couldn't because I'm not my dad. And anyway, that's a whole other story. I wasn't talking to him the whole time, but we were relating the whole time because our lives are entwined. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden. Delightful people aren't a burden on other people. We preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know, here it is, that we dealt with you as, with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. 
That, that's, that's how we become delightful. We become other people's cheer squad. I got this message um, yesterday morning, two mornings ago while walking from a, a lady who worked with my dad for one year. And, and the message just said this, cheering our dear Lance home. That's the most delightful message I received all day. There was a lady who put aside 30 seconds from her day to send encouragement and love to someone she knew was doing it tough, cheering our dear Lance home. What a delightful message to receive. As I look around, I see a lot of delightful people. People who are living in the Father's delight. People with whom he is delighted. People who are growing in a, an understanding and, and a, an appreciation that delight is living in the Father's acceptance. That's why I wrote a book called Favoured, because there are many Christians who know how to spell favour, with a U, not just an O, <laughs> and, and yet they think that favour is for other people, not themselves. So grow in the delight that's already yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are delighted in us. Jesus, we thank you for showing us the Father's heart and bringing us the delight of the Father in word, in deed, through your death and, and the glorious power of your resurrection. We thank you that you rule and reign as king over the universe by administering delight. And Holy Spirit, we receive you now afresh to bring the delight of the Father to us. As I walk over here to where Holy Communion is going to be celebrated, just want to remind you of something that uh, in Luke's Gospel, when Jesus sat at table about to eat and drink communion with his disciples, he said these words. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Now, hang on a second. Peter was about to deny him. Judas was about to betray him. All the rest of them were going to run away and desert him. And Jesus said, I'm delighted to be able to eat this meal with you. So please, folks, please, it has been dealt with. The temple curtain is torn in two. The Father is delighted with you. You have access. As I hand over to Kynan, here it is in bread and wine.